ladies, and welcome to our study for this week. This week we are going to look at the subject of um, becoming women who pray confidently or becoming confident in prayer. And um, before we begin, I'm going to ask you how you are, how you're doing, and how life is going. If you're handling things well, and I'm going to hope that um, you are taking something from our studies each week. And I'm going to encourage you to send me an email or, or text or even call me if you have questions or just things that you want to discuss. And just look forward to hearing from you in that way. And this week as we look at the subject of prayer, I believe that it's going to be a two-part study for us. And we'll do that from time to time because we'll get to something that the subject matter is just pretty vast and we don't want to try to take it all in at once. We're going to just take our time and go through. And prayer is one of those subjects for us. It's kind of like going to your favorite restaurant and um, the menu is just full of so many things that you just love. But you also know you can't eat everything all at once in that one setting. And prayer is like that. So we're okay to break these things up into portions where we can take it in sit with it, meditate on it, and it really begins to affect our life on so many levels. And so we're going to be able to do that today. Um, we don't do it justice to just try to lump everything together, but to spend some time concentrating on it and focusing in a way that we can really get something out of it. Um, so I hope that you have your Bible, your a pad and or pencil and something to write with so that you can be able to take notes as we go along. So once again, um, as we look at prayer, it's kind of like uh, the Psalms where you see that the Psalms, after you read them for so long or if you study the Psalms, you might find that the Psalms actually are broken down into, I want to say about five, five or six different areas of prayer. Our worship and so we can see we have songs of lament uh, we have songs of worship and praise songs of adoration or enthronement psalms of confession or psalms of thanksgiving and so um, that helps us to understand what the psalmist are doing and how we approach a particular psalm and sometimes we'll see that um, we might be praying in regard to our physical our emotional our spiritual well-being or healing and we can look at prayers of deliverance and I'm sure you're getting the picture by now so prayer is is vast so as we begin our study today we are going to look at uh, the area of becoming confident in prayer and there are so many scriptures from Genesis all the way through Revelation that support our being confident in prayer and I'm going to consider what we're going to do today is we're going to lay a foundation. Lay a foundation. For some of you, this will be building upon a foundation. And for others, it will just be a reminder of what we do know and what we should know so that um, we can just become stronger in this area. So as we lay a foundation this week, we're going to look at particular promises and uh, scriptures that help us become more confident in prayer so that when we approach the throne of God for any reason that we are sure as we come to him. Um, so we're going to look at 
three or four things right here. Today we're going to look at our belief in the existence of God. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about and explore the power of God to do all things. Uh, we're going to explore our relationship to God and his relationship with us. And then we're going to talk about our expectation and anticipation uh, regarding prayer. And that affects how we live once we get up off our knees. Our expectation and our anticipation. So, um, as I have something I want you to do this week. I actually have some homework for you. I'll say it now and then I'll probably repeat it at the end. But I want you to maybe um, write out the prayers that you have been praying, the things you've been praying for even lately. And, um, you know, if they've been highlighted, then I always, if they've been answered, I usually will go through and highlight. And then I'll put a smiley face by that prayer request. And I may put the date uh, by it because it helps me when I'm flipping back through or when I'm in a, in a time where God is just taking a little longer than I'd like to have a prayer request answered. Uh, I'm reminded that he always answers prayer. He's always listening to me. And he is going to answer. And I just need to breathe and be patient and give him space to just be God. So I want you to... Um, do your prayer requests out in that way. You may already have them in a journal. So if you do, that's really good. Go through and look at those things. And um, you'll see why I'm saying that. Because by the time we finish today, you're going to know to lay those things beside those prayer requests. And think about it in a different way. And say, wow, have I really approached it this way? Am I believing this so strongly this way? And it may cause you to go back and pray that prayer not um, in a different way, in, in the way of changing the prayer, but with a new confidence as you pray it. So I want you to keep that in mind. And as I said, we, before we end, I'll probably come back to it and mention it again. So... Um, one thing that we know, prayer is the most important element of a Christian faith. And yet so much of the time we pray uh, or feel as though our prayers are not really heard or for whatever reason they're not being answered. But we know that the Bible teaches us that God will hear and he will answer our prayers. So what does it mean when we feel as though we are the exception to this? What does it mean for us when we feel like, well, I know he answers prayer. It seems like he's answering everybody else's prayer, but my prayers, for some reason. And we start to doubt ourselves. We start to think, maybe there's something I'm doing wrong. Maybe I'm not wording it in the right way. Maybe it's not a good prayer. Maybe God's not liking it. So um, we want to find out. We want to find out what's keeping us from being confident in prayer. As we usually do, we're going to begin our time of study in prayer with a word of prayer. So let's bow our heads together and just pray to our Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, you have given us prayer, certainly as a means of communicating and communing with you, but also so we could be empowered in this life. And prayer is our most formidable weapon against the forces of darkness and wickedness. Prayer helps us to live the abundant life 
as Jesus promised we could do. And we cannot even pray without your help. So we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to us today as we open your word and we begin our study on becoming women who pray confidently. We pray open our eyes and our heart to receive the truth that you have laid out for us and then help us to believe it so that we can be empowered in our life. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be with us today. We ask you to be with each one who is present here today and participating in this, in this study and that you will empower us all to become women who pray confidently. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we begin today, let's get started. And let's start with the necessity of our belief in the existence of God. So, um, you know, as we're sitting here, I think all of us, most of us would say, I believe in God. Well, we do, don't we? We have a belief in God. Uh, but we're going to find out today by looking through a few of the, uh, the scriptures that what God is saying when he, when he invites us to this kind of faith, that we can't just kind of believe in him, that believing in him means that we are thoroughly convinced of his existence. And watch what this does, because there's a difference in saying we believe in the existence of God. But what does it mean when we believe in the existence of God? And that means what God is able to do. So, you know what, a good place for us to begin is in Revelation. And we're going to go to Revelation chapter 3. And since that's right at the end of the Bible, right before your uh, index, that's pretty easy to get to. We're going to look at Revelation 3. Uh, and we're going to start with verse um, 15. And if you notice in this section of Revelation, the first couple of chapters are where... Um, the Lord has told John to write letters to the churches so that they would know what God was speaking to them. And uh, so this one in particular is to the church of Laodicea. And John is writing to them. Um, and so we begin. I'm going to start with verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, and if you see it, and if your Bible is like this, it's in red, so we know that Jesus is speaking, just like when we read the Gospels. So he says, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth because you are neither hot nor cold, lukewarm. That's telling us a lot about what the Savior feels about that. He said, be either one way or the other. So you're going to be either all in or all out. Don't think that you can kind of straddle the fence, not even in the belief, in our belief of his existence and who he is and what he does and what he comes to do but to be strongly and firmly grounded in this way and so he tells this is like this caution to them he says 
I know your deeds. I know everything about you. Um, but I also know this. I know that you're straddling in that way. And I want you to be, he's saying that to us right now, all in. I want you to be all in. So let's consider today and determine that we're going to be all in. We're going to be women who are all in. All in in our belief and not only our Lord's existence but all in in our belief of what the scriptures say to us and the power also that we have even in the area of prayer. So turn to um, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 and we're going to look at verse 14. Exodus 3 14. And so you know Moses wrote the book of Exodus. So um, he's talking about his time when he was standing at the burning bush. And look at what God said to him. So let's start with verse 13. Why don't we? Exodus 3 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, Well, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The conversation that Moses is having with God at the burning bush and, and, and God is telling Moses to do something that uh, Moses is saying, well, wait, can I really do this? And if I go and do this, who am I going to tell them is sending me? Who am I going to say? And God said, well, tell them I am sent you. I am who I am. And this is what God says to us. I am. Um, God is who he is. And we will find so many times that we really can't put words to God in that way. God shows himself to be who he is. And he will reveal himself to be who he is. Not only in our life, but throughout this world, the universe, and in the lives of others. He's going to always reveal himself. So sometimes somebody might ask you something like that. And sometimes that's the response we have to get. God is who he is. And so he's going to reveal himself, and we can be confident in that. We can be confident in knowing God is going to reveal himself to us and to others and in this world. And that can be one of those things that just gives us a peace about everything because we know that we don't control that, and God is who he is. So that's a good one to mark uh, in your Bible. If you haven't highlighted that one already, that's a really good one. Let's go to Acts chapter 17. And we're going to spend a few minutes here in this one because this is a really powerful passage that um, really helps us when we start looking at this, this um, thing of being confident in prayer. And look what happens. This is Paul. We read a lot about Paul in our study, don't we? Um, and we see that at this particular time, we're in Acts 17, Paul was on one of his missionary journeys, and at the time that we read this, he was in Athens. So we're going to start with verse 16. I forgot to tell you at the beginning that today I'm reading in the NIV version, 
So for those of you who have the NIV and you've been following along and when I read the ESV, our words don't always match up sometimes. Today you'll find out, oh, they're matching up. Well, that's why, because we're in the NIV. And uh, as I said, from time to time, I'm going to just go to various versions just so you can hear the different reading. And sometimes you might hear a translation that sounds really attractive and you say, wow, I think I want to get one of those um, translations. So today we're in the NIV. So we're looking at chapter 17. And as I said, Paul is in Athens and, and watch what he does. We're starting at verse 16. And I'm reading to, I think, about verse 26. So while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day after day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? And others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. And then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? You're bringing some strange ideals to our ears and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. Look at what Paul says, we repeat that. Now as you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. Continuing forward in verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord God of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. We're going to stop right there in a minute because we'll come back to these verses in just a little bit. But look at what Paul told him. When we back up to verse about verse 23, and uh, he told him, he said, so what you've been worshiping uh, or the inscription you have to an unknown God, I'm going to tell you about that God. So, you know, now we take this deeper look. We're taking a deeper look into our belief in the existence of God. And here we see Paul talking to the people of Athens and as he said, he was distressed. He was distressed because they had so many idols around their city and their village. And as he walked around, he saw this and he said, well, this isn't right. I know something different from this. And, and the Lord opened up the opportunity for Paul to talk to them and to talk to them about the real 
God who existed, the true God. And so they got to hear about this from Paul. And um, what a wonderful testimony Paul could give. He was so strong in his faith and in knowledge. And he had studied the scriptures. He had studied them. But he also had had that experience with Jesus uh, on the road to Damascus. Remember, as we read that earlier in Acts. And so he comes armed with much of what he knows, experience and scriptures as well. And so he talks to them about God, the God from the beginning, before the beginning of time. And he uh, lays this out for them. And they get to hear this. And so every time Paul goes someplace, he always, there's believers that come out of that, that become strong in their faith. And that's what, that is what we're supposed to be as well. Strong in our faith. And as we go to the Word of God, we're hearing the Word of God, we're reading the Word of God, we're praying in the Spirit, praying the Word of God also, and becoming strong in our belief in what we know. And so he talks to them. And he lays this foundation for them. And they can begin to see those gods that they've been worshiping in a different light. As Paul says, that have not been made. God himself has not been made by human hands. But the idols that they worship, they have been made by human hands. And we talked about this before. I think it was last week's study maybe that we asked how, how silly is that when we do that. When we worship something that has been made and fashioned by humans, what power does that have? None. So now we look at God, the existence of God, being the true God, the only God, and we begin to understand this is the God that we worship and believe in. Um, you can keep your a place in Acts because we're going to come back to this uh, in a little bit. But for now, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. We're not that far from it. So mark that place in Acts um, because we are going to come back to it in a little bit and you'll see what we're going to just build on what we just read a few moments ago. But we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11 and we're looking at verse 6. This is one of my most favorite verses in Hebrews. I've stopped saying in the Bible because there's so many. Uh, you can have hundreds like that. So in Hebrews, this is one of my most favorite verses. And so the writer, uh, we're in that chapter 11, which we call that faith chapter. You might have it highlighted in that way in your Bible as well. So we're going to look at, um, at verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So it says, so it is impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let's think about that for a minute. The implications of that. As the writer says, so when we come to God, we got to come with that made up mind. Number one, that he exists, that he is God everywhere, the universe, the earth, in our life, everywhere, uh, over all things. He's sovereign. Remember, we talked about that before. He is sovereign. So we have to believe these things strongly. 
Um, and then he says, and so, um, other than that, it's impossible to please him. Meaning, even as we come to him in prayer, we must be knowing who it is we're praying to. We're not like those people in Athens who were um, looking at and believing in false gods or counterfeit man-made gods. We are coming to the throne of the living God over everything, sovereign power. And so, as we come, then he says, in our belief in his existence, which is just more than God being. Now we're going to move into, in a second here, the power of God. That means that we're believing that also. So when we're believing in the existence of God, we're also believing in the power of God because those two things cannot be separated. God is, remember, go all the way back to Exodus when uh, Moses said, well, who do I tell them sent me? And he says, tell them I am sent you. I am. So God cannot be separated from himself. And who he is is all powerful. So this is the God that we come to in prayer. And let's begin to think about all this, what it means when we approach God in prayer, who it is we're coming to, the true God, over everything, over all, uh, and has all power, all power in his hands, just in himself. Is the being of all power. But here's something else. The scriptures say here, he rewards those who seek him. Well, what is prayer? Prayer is seeking God. Prayer is asking God. We're asking God. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. Ask, ye shall be answered. You will receive. And so now we begin to say, okay, we're looking at prayer in this way. And so knowing who God is, all right, then he's not going to deny us. And he already told us if we come and we believe in his existence and who he is, this pleases him. And then in pleasing him, um, that we also are rewarded. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. So we believe in the power of God, not for the purposes of knowing what we can do through him. And some scriptures um, help us to understand that. Think about when you read Philippians chapter 4, right around verse 11, 13. I can do all things. What? You finish it out. Through Christ who strengthens me. So now, how many scriptures let us know the capability that we have because of who is in us and strengthening us? And so there's the power that we receive from God. Let's say God shares his power with us because he does. And then there is that knowledge of knowing that God is all-powerful. He is who he is. Um, and this is how we come to him, even in prayer, knowing then that we won't be denied anything. Because as the scriptures say here, we have read it with our own eyes, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him earnestly seek him. Um, go to Psalm 118. And remember, though you mark Acts, if you can keep it marked, that's good because we'll come back and you won't have to find it all over again. We're going to go to Psalm 118 right now.
And we're going to read a couple of verses there. Psalm 118, we're reading verses 15 and 16. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. So, who are the righteous? Well, that's you and I. That's us. Remember, we have been made righteous through Christ. The blood of Christ makes us righteous. And this is why we can consider ourselves as righteous, why we can refer to ourselves as saints. Uh, Jesus has done all of that for us. And so we read this talking to us, uh, and we're proclaiming, we're rejoicing in what God is doing. And as the psalmist says, there's shouts of joy and victory. Uh, resounding in the tents of the righteous. And the tents, remember, the tent, we understand the physical tabernacle that we go to and worship, uh, but the tent also is our body. The tent is our body as well. So let's say in our being, in our body, uh, in ourselves, we rejoice and have this shouts of victory. Victory means that something's done, right? Uh, victory, well, we can do this even while we wait for God to answer prayer because we're believing that he has answered our prayer. And when we get up off our knees even, we can begin to rejoice. Can you think of the difference that would make if you're praying to God and even if it hasn't been done, boom, right there in the blink of an eye, actually it has. It has already been done. And so we can get off our knees and we can just be believing in that way. And we can just begin to thank God and rejoice um, for what he has done and what he is going to do. And um, in a little bit, we're going to talk about this when we're wrapping up our study today, about those things that we do following our prayer. And this is one of them. We rejoice and we shout for victory because we're already believing. And that sure confuses the enemy when we do that because he's only seeing things as they are right now. So that's, you know, looking at us saying, what's wrong with them? They're still suffering. There's still sickness. The virus is still out there. So many things. But we know what we know. And we believe in the one true powerful God. And so now here they said the mighty things, the mighty things that God's right hand is doing. He's already working it out. And so here's another thing that we bring to us in prayer, the knowledge that he's already working it out. In fact, he's already worked it out, even before we come to him. Uh, remember, we read that in the Gospels before, even before a word is on your tongue. Uh, I've known it. The Psalms even say that. I've already known it. Psalm 139, David writes that he knows this about God. So we don't even have to speak it before God knows that we're going to speak it, that we're thinking about it. Are wanting it. Let's turn to Jeremiah and go to Jeremiah um, chapter 10. Jeremiah 10. And we're going to look at verse uh, 12 and 13. But God made the earth by his power. He founded the world by his wisdom, and he stretched out the heavens by his understanding. And when he thunders, the water in the heavens roar. 
He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings out the wind from its storehouses. This particular chapter is talking about God versus idols. And here, once again, we look at the fact God, the living, true, uh, powerful God, not made by human hands, what he does. And so, as Jeremiah writes, he describes these, these wonderful, wondrous things that God does. God created the earth by his power. No human created the earth. And we certainly don't believe that the earth just evolved or came out of a Big Bang theory. That God created, he formed the earth. Out of nothing, he formed the earth. And so uh, he says, he founded the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his understanding. And so we still live in that and we still walk and operate in that because God is still with us in this way. So here's another portion of scripture that helps us to be confident in the God that we approach in prayer for any kind of prayer. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. And don't worry about that Acts chapter. We're, we're going to still come back to that. So if you're keeping it, that's good. If not, we can find it again. Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 19. Ephesians 1, 19. This is Paul again. And uh, Paul is actually talking about thanksgiving and prayer. And he says, um, let's back up to 18. I pray also that in the eyes of your hearts that they may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. Didn't we just read that in the Psalms? Well, Paul would have known this too, because he knew the scriptures. Uh, he certainly knew the Psalms. And so here, he, you know, he talks again. We get to hear about um, the glorious inheritance that we have and that God's incomparable great power for who? Who did you read? For us who believe. God's power is for you. And go to prayer thinking that. God's power is for me. Isn't that awesome to take into prayer with you? That very thought. Highlight that in your Bible. Make a note. You have a little margin. Make a little note right there. Um, that this is for you. Put your name right there. God's power is for me. Since we're in Ephesians, let's stay there and just flip over to chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 20. I'm sure you're familiar with this one. Don't you just love it? Now to him who was able to do what? Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his what? His power that is at work within us. Continue on to 21. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. That is such a beautiful, empowering verse. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably. Some versions have it. I love you reading another version. It will say uh, immeasurably, abundantly, exceedingly more 
than all we can ever ask, think, or imagine according to his power. Now we just read, as Paul said in chapter 1, his, his power that what? His power that is for us. And so now we find out that he is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. So we come to him, we're asking for something, maybe it seems like a really big thing, um, and according to to man, to people, it's impossible. But now we're understanding there's nothing that God cannot do. And so as we go to him, and we're understanding now that his power is for us, and we begin to ask more confidently because we know what we know. We know this about God, and we know God is, he is the great I am. And so now we, we begin to gather all these verses up together. I remember um, a few weeks ago I, I mentioned that one of my favorite things to do in having a word study was to gather all those verses up together and that they were one after the other. And sometimes I'll pray them like that. They're so empowering to do that. And now you have the same thing. As you begin to do this, I'm going to um, encourage you to do the same thing with our verses from today, to write them all out or to type them out into your tablet or computer that you can have them in that way and watch what happens when they all lay out together how strengthening they are and how you will begin to pray in such a way you go into prayer knowing my heavenly father hears me he's going to answer my prayer his power is for me and so yes that means that when you get off your knees you're saying hallelujah it's done thank you jesus and then you can just go on about your way because it is done because we know that he's heard it and he has done it. Amen. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And I'm sure you know this section in here as well. Romans 8. 28. And we know that in all things God what? God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. You love God, don't you? We do. We love him and he knows that we do. That we just love him and we're increasing in our love. And you know what? You're finding out that the more you come to him and the more you look in his word and search the scriptures and make them a part of your heart, the more you are loving him. Your love for him is growing and you're understanding how much he loves you. And it's just all coming together like this puzzle that's just being put together. And you know when you work a jigsaw puzzle how the picture begins to... I, I always have a, a, a way that I approach a puzzle like that, um, and I will teach the children this in the preschool. Lay your frame first, so I have them go through and lay, find all the straight edge pieces, and lay the framework, and then everything else was built in that way. And this is kind of what we're doing here today. Remember we said we were laying a foundation or building upon a foundation. We laid this, this, this uh, framework because no matter what we're praying for, 
uh, what kind of prayer we're praying, who we're praying for, what situation we're praying for. The framework, the foundation is laid. We know what we know. We know God is who he is, the great I am, with our power, and his power is for us. And so we pray, and we're praying in confidence because we just know what we know. So let's imagine that today, envision that, that you're doing that jigsaw puzzle, and right now we're just laying that framework because everything is built on that. Everything about prayer is going to be built on these things. Look at... Um, Matthew, did you write that verse down from Romans 8, 28? So you can go back and study a little bit more even later on. Uh, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Uh, Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 29. And here's that red again, so we know it's Jesus. Matthew 22:29. Jesus replied, You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. And we're going to let it be right there. You can read further in that section later on. But this just builds upon what we just said. And Jesus just said it. You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Uh, this section here, if you have it in your Bible in that way, where you have those headings, Jesus was being asked about um, marriage at the resurrection and whose wife would someone be or whose husband would someone be. And Jesus was telling them, he said, it's not like that in heaven. And that's why he told him, you're in error because you don't know the scriptures. Well, when we study the scriptures, we can know what we need to know. Uh, he says, so... Uh, because you do not know the scriptures, but also because you do not know the what? The power of God. Well, we're learning. We're learning what God has. Um, and this power, this great power that he has. And um, as we move into um, coming to that last portion of our study for today, let's talk about the relationship. The relationship that we enjoy with the Father, with the triune God, and He has with us, because here is like the seal of everything we've talked about today, is that we're understanding um, who we belong to, our relationship with God. And since we're in Matthew, let's just stay here, and let's flip over, um, we'll flip back, we're going to go to chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, and I know that you know this section, Matthew 6, and we're going to look at verse um, 25 and 26, and this is under that do not worry. We need this all the time, don't we? So Jesus is speaking, it's in red, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Are you not much more valuable than they? Here this whole section teaches us, uh, and, and the foundation is built upon um, 
the relationship. The relationship. And so Jesus refers here and he says, your heavenly father, your heavenly father, your heavenly father. And when you put it that way, to be able to say, my, claim him, my heavenly father. Um, heavenly father is one of my most favorite ways to address um, the Lord in prayer. Heavenly father, because that's what he is, Abba father, dear father. And as we come to him to know who we're coming to, there were so many verses that fall up under this relationship. We definitely won't get them all in today. We'll look at a couple more, but we'll continue to build on that. Even as we come back next week, we're going to bring a few more of these in as a good reminder for us about the relationship that we have and enjoy so that it's just always before us and that we can pray confidently knowing that oh it's our father we're talking to our father and you know what even if you didn't grow up with your father even if you never knew your father even if you did know your father um and whether your father was a good and caring and loving example and presence in your life or not that part doesn't even matter when it comes to god being your heavenly father because whether you have that good um, influence and presence on earth in that way he's always been your heavenly father always from the beginning of time before you were born he's been your heavenly father and he's going to continue to be that through all eternity and so now as you come to him you're able to address him this way so much love your heavenly father has for you um, let's see do we want to we want to get another one in here today uh, at least under this section. So let's look at, um, let's go back to Acts. We've had it marked for so long. So let's go back to it. Let's go back to Acts chapter 17. See, you had it marked, so we can go right there. And we're going to look at um, verse 27 to 29. This is kind of where we left off from. So God did this. Remember, Paul was in Athens. He was talking to them about this, um, about the true living God, uh, because they had been worshiping those idol gods, the counterfeit man-made gods. So at this point, um, Paul says to them, he says, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him, what? We live and move and have our being as some of your own poets have said we are his offspring who are you you are God's offspring your heavenly father you are his offspring how awesome how awesome is this your heavenly father his offspring his power is for you uh, in Revelation, in chapter 21, and you might be close, and you might want to go there with me, uh, or you might want to listen, either one. Revelation 21, and uh, verse 3, God said, um, and at this point, um, John is writing about the New Jerusalem. And here's something that he says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men. 
and he will live with them. And they will be his people and what? God himself will be with them and be their God. Your God, our God, our Heavenly Father. Good words for us today. Good words for us to remember. Um, and as we follow through, we remember the words that we read in, in Hebrews and, and in Romans today that help us to uh, rejoice. Remember, we said when we get off our knees and we read that in the Psalms today, that we can have that feeling of exaltation and rejoicing uh, because we know what we know. In Hebrews um, chapter 11, remember we were there and we were looking at, we said here's that, um, that was that faith chapter for us and we're seeing how, um, you know, we're being reminded of the power of God, God's presence with us and that he has us. And so if we read in chapter 11 verse 1, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's what we get off our knees with. We get off of our knees with faith, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. If you back up a little bit and we're, and we're right there and you look at chapter 10 and uh, I'm thinking it's around verse 22. Yeah, because Paul is asking us, he's talking about that spirit of perseverance. And verse 22 says, So let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is what is faithful. Remember we started out in that chapter 11 verse 6. And so it is impossible to please God without faith. For anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who diligently seek him. That's what he wants to give to you. Your reward. Your reward for prayer. Your reward for coming. Your reward for faithfulness and believing is the answer to your prayer. He's going to reward you. Whatever it is you're seeking him for and calling upon him. Remember those scriptures we read today. God is answering. As a matter of fact, he's answered your prayer. Get off your knees with that feeling, that certainty in your heart that God is faithful. And his power is for you. That, that you're asking for will be done. So just relax. Be patient. Knowing that God is working on your behalf for your good. Remember, we read that. He wants nothing but the best for you. As we return next week, we're going to look at so many supporting scriptures that help us to build up our confidence. That we might even be surprised to see speak to the confidence that we are to have in prayer. As we end today, I remind you to, uh, if you haven't, lay your prayer journal out. Look at your prayers in the light of the verses that we 
talked about and discussed and, and explored today and um, you know take that fresh look at um, those prayers that you have and know that uh, there is nothing that God will not do for you so let's end in prayer Heavenly Father we just thank you for your goodness and your love and your your mercy just for being with us as you are thank you that we can be women who are confident as we come to prayer confident knowing that you are not only with us but you're always working for us and in, in our behalf on our behalf and always blessing and rewarding us and we pray that you will cause us to be those who are strengthened in our faith and strengthened in our prayer and believing without any wavering that you are you are listening and hearing and working and rewarding and we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit here with us today and ask you and thank you for being with each participant knowing that you will go forth with us even as we are in our own homes and places that you will be with us to show us and grant us wisdom in all things and to keep us well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ladies, it was good to be here together again. And we look forward to our next study as we continue the study we started today. And uh, just wishing you all the best and praying for you each and every day. God be with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.